Good everyone and welcome to today's Living Life. By now, uh, if you've been watching Living Life for a while and you see me once in a while, you should be used to me being reminded of and using a lot of worship songs uh, as a kind of a tie-in or to be tied with the devotionals of the various scripture uh, that we follow uh, according to Living Life. And I hope that this encourages, encourages you to broaden and diversify your devotional times as well and maybe even learn a couple of new songs in the process. And yes, I do have a song for us today as well. And and um, today's song uh, that matches or that I thought of for today's passage, the chorus goes, Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God quite beautiful. And the title is uh, Reckless Love, as some of you may have already recognized. And I think this title, the phrase Reckless Love, describes the parable which describes the love of God very well, albeit from a human perspective. And we'll talk a little bit about that after we read the passage. Mark chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. Jesus then began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a pit for the winepress, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. But they seized him, beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent another servant to them. They struck this man on the head and treated him shamefully. He sent still another, and that one they killed. He sent many others, some of them they beat, others they killed. He had one left to send, a son whom he loved. He sent him last of all, saying, They will respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him, and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Haven't you read this passage of scripture? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Then the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders looked for a way to arrest him because they knew he had spoken the parable against them. But they were afraid of the crowd, so they left him and went away. Now, even as we talk about the love of God, which we will later in this passage, we have to remember the context of today's passage and parable. In yesterday's passage, we had Jesus cursing a fig tree and then driving people out you know, from the uh, temple courts who were buying and selling things. 
Uh, and in doing so, doing so, we learned that Jesus was criticizing the institution of the temple. And by extension, although I didn't talk about this as much yesterday, the people who are tied to the temple and who rule, who administer the temple. So in this context, this allegory and parable is not just about God's rejection of Israel as a whole, but really about the defiance, the foolishness, the sinfulness of the religious leaders who would later actually kill Jesus. These leaders who, you know, if you think back to our devotional two days ago, they were supposed to be intermediaries between God and people. Mediators who help people find refuge in God in their times of need and trouble and who were to shepherd them when they were lost and without hope. These religious teachers who should know better act foolishly and I would actually say irrationally. The motives um, are revealed in verse 7, where they say, after the owner of the vineyard sends his son, they say, come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. Now, this doesn't really make sense if you think about it, because why would anyone give the murderer or the murderers of their, his son everything that he owns just because he lost his only son? Right? I'm sure if I was the owner, I would find anyone else to give the vineyard to other than the murderers. Right? But when we think just of our own gain and what we could get out of something, we very easily and often act very irrationally and foolishly. These religious leaders have turned the temple which was meant to be God's house of prayer for the nations, not just you know, to the nations, but actually for, on behalf of the nations, into their own personal cash cow is something that we use these days, something they could just keep beating you know, to get money, you know, to drop coins every once in a while for as long as possible. You could describe this as reckless sin. And if I was God, I would counter this reckless sin, um, or in other words, reckless rebellion, rejection, disobedience, and disregard. I would counter this with absolute justice and therefore punishment, right? Disobedience in the face of justice requires punishment. It needs punishment. But God counters not with what I just described and what I would do, and I think what most people would do, he counters it with reckless love instead, which to us could actually sound irrational, even foolish. Verse 6 says, uh, the owner sends his son whom he loved. Now, this is another way to say only son. And it is very similar to how God calls Jesus, my son, whom I love. You know, a couple of chapters earlier in chapter 1, verse 11 of Mark and chapter 9, verse 7 as well. And as we continue reading of this reckless love of God, we learn three things. Two things about God and one about ourselves. The first thing about God is his forbearance or just another way to say grace. A lot of people think and like to think that God is very brutal in the Old Testament. You know, he says, you know, kill off and wipe out and, you know, women and children and animals and everything, you know, wipe off and kill off and, and so forth. But actually the greatest thing, theme or the thing in the Old Testament that we see is God's long-suffering patience and his unrequited love. 
how he's actually very humble and because he, he actually chases after the people of Israel again and again, even though they reject him and rebel against him again and again. And this, from top down, is love. You know, it wasn't just because it was, you know, he has to. He absolutely did not have to, does not have to. Top down is grace. And bottom up, from our perspective, this is grace, love and grace. So this uh, parable reveals God's continuous pursuit of humans, no matter you know, how often we reject him. That's the first thing we learn about God. Second is we learn something we learn about ourselves, and that is the foolishness of tenants or sinners. We think, you know, the, the tenants thought that they could gain everything by their sin by their rejection, by their murder and crime. And like I said, it almost sounds irrational, but also you see it in the world, in other people. You see it in ourselves, in yourself as well. We cannot erase God from our lives and take control like we are gods of ourselves. The third and last thing is the wrath, the ultimate wrath and the action of the owner. You know, the, the phrase, what, or the question, what then will the owner of the vineyard do? This is the climax of the story. Because you ask this question from the very beginning. Every time that the tenants rejected and threw out and beat up, what will the, ten, what will the master do? What will the owner do next? What will he do next? What will he do next? And in the end, we're kind of left almost disappointed. Because we, we, it may look like the owner being weak you know, reckless, um, foolish even. But this is the reckless love of God that counters and overcomes reckless sin. And yes, this is something that we cannot understand. Only God in His infinite wisdom, sovereignty, and full love can understand and comprehend. And we receive it. We receive it as His love. So God is true to His nature. He loves completely, but he also judges completely. And the ultimate decision and action is the wrath, where he comes in and cleans house. Maybe because of the finality of his wrath, he also loves so recklessly. God's loving nature is as strong and ultimate as his wrath. And that is something that we have to remember. So what does God want us to do today in response to this word, to this passage and this time of meditation? And I think, uh, and this is, you know, kind of big and kind of heavy too, but it is to love like God. That is to love recklessly like God. And um, to varying degrees, for varying people, this might be extremely hard um, for everyone, right? For everyone. But, you know, I also have to, you know, remind us, ourselves, me as well, to not love like God, like we are God or the owner, but to love like God so that we can live as God desires and as he has uh, ordained and commanded us to live. So let's, you know, be a little reckless today in when we receive reckless sin or even, you know, you know bad actions of other people rather than countering that as we normally might want to, let's counter that with reckless love as we have seen God love us. Let's pray. 
God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love, O oh Lord, that we receive as your grace, the amazing grace, the never-ending love of God, the reckless love of God. May this reckless love awaken us, O oh Lord, uh, from our foolishness, from our selfishness, from our sin, to know that there is one, there is a God, our Creator, who loves us in a way that just doesn't even make sense to us. And it is for our own good that you could uh, wipe us out, you could just clean house, you know, any moment in time, from the very beginning. But rather than that, you chose to love. You chose to love in a way that, to us, can be even interpreted as reckless. Lord, may we learn from that love May we be saved by that love, O oh Lord, this day. And may we live in that way to forgive, uh, to also help save the people around us as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sing in the world, as the pig in the grocer,